Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett and I hope you are having a better day than me. I am furious. So, church yesterday, oh by the way, I'm recording this at 12.43 a.m. Monday night slash Tuesday morning. So church yesterday was awesome. We had a great time. The crowd was great. Thank you all so much for coming out. Hannah was awesome. The band was awesome. And we did this really cool meditation thing. And I was so excited to include it in the podcast. And then I went to go look at my audio recorder after the service and noticed that it crashed in the middle. So no awesome meditation for you on the podcast. I'm sorry. It was so cool. I don't know that we'll ever do it again. So it's lost to time. Like tears in the rain. Shout out to you if you get that reference. So, yeah. I'm bummed. But, you know, we got to move on. We got to talk about good things. Um, Like I said, the service was really great, so that's awesome. I think it's going to set us up for a fantastic week this week. It is our second birthday slash second anniversary. We are so pumped to celebrate with you. I can't believe we made it this far. Most churches don't statistically, which is crazy, but we were able to make it because of you and because of the fact that you believe in what we're doing. Also, we are super pumped about our uh, anniversary. Uh, Not only is it going to be a great service, but we're doing a potluck afterwards. Usually we do this thing called Sunday Fun Day where we hit the town and go to brunch somewhere. Well, instead, we are going to be staying at the church and hanging out. Everybody can bring uh, some food of their choice. You should check in with our social media before you um, decide what food you're going to bring if you haven't um, because there's an official sign-up sheet and we want to make sure that, you know, 15 people don't all bring potato salad, basically. Uh, So um, shoot us an email, hello at diffchurch.com, check in with us on social, um, or go to diff.church and look at events. From there, you can probably get to the uh, sign-up sheet and sign up to bring some food for our anniversary. Woo! Um, you have to do it that way because if you had been in church on Sunday, you could have used the official sign-up sheet. The sign-up sheet is written in an ink pen like it was last week. <laughs> so it is extremely official. Uh, I did take everyone who signed the sign-up sheet last week and I plugged it all into a Google spreadsheet and then I couldn't figure out how to make it work with the website and then I did not text Jarrett and so it's not done. (laughs) So it's your own brand for me. So I hand-wrote another thing that says, what's your name, what's your email, and what are you bringing? I feel like I should say that in a, what is your name, what is your quest? (laughs) What is the flying velocity of an African's well? I'm kidding. (laughs) Okay, on a serious note, y'all know this week is like in the world. Um, I feel like some churches, some places are going to just spend the whole Sunday talking about that, and we are not going to do that, but I want you to know, I know what's going on, and I know this week is really heavy, and some of you are feeling like really the heaviness of that. Um, If you need to talk, like it's literally my job. So like text me, we can Zoom, we can FaceTime, we can get coffee, but of course Nova's coming. She's coming to the Zoom as well, just FYI. <laughs> Nova's with me all the time. Um, but I, if you need to, someone to process with, like I am here for you. Um, and we talked about this on Instagram a little bit. 
as well. Now, it's still Black History Month. So I have one more person to share with you. And this year we're focusing on creators um, in the black community that have done just some amazing things. So the person I'm sharing with you today, her name is Genesis Tremaine. She is an expressionist devotional painter. Uh, This is her. And she creates abstract portraits. They almost kind of have a graffiti-like quality of men and women who just transcend like gender and race and social structures. Um, Her style is kind of, 1980s graffiti mixed with gospel hymns. (laughs) So like, so this is one of her paintings. This is another. Um, And I know the lighting's kind of weird, so you can Google her, Genesis Tremaine. She has a whole body of work. Her pieces are humongous. I know they're like, oh, it's tiny on the screen. They're like a whole wall worth. So um, she focuses, her art focuses on the shape and the definition of a black face, black faces. And she... In her own words, she's kind of explained that she exaggerates the features on the faces that she paints to capture the emotions of the untapped, underrepresented soul of black people through a mixture of acrylic and oil-based paintings. And her work is very influenced by Bible verses and other readings that she studied in church. Um, This last one, this is my favorite one. I don't know if you can read it. On the bottom right corner, it says, God is not mad at you. And I saw that one and I was like, dang. I, it just, I love it so much. So definitely look up her work. She's incredible. And I don't think God's mad at anybody, actually, unless, well, I can think of a few people. <laughs> one person in particular that I currently am mad at in the world. Okay, so um, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole, okay? <laughs> Today, we are talking about perseverance. <laughs> uh, perseverance means, this is a dictionary definition, Everyone prepared to be very official. Doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Here's the non-official definition that I came up with. When you keep going, even when you don't want to, feel like you can't and would rather do anything else. Now, I can't spell, and um, word kept giving me like the red squiggly line underneath the word perseverance. So I was like, what? (laughs) So I Googled it, and this picture came up. And I couldn't stop laughing, so I have to share it with you. It says, it burned all my insides, but I didn't die. <laughs> Which, an accurate description of the last two years, right? It burned all my insides, but I didn't die. Okay, so to talk about perseverance, we're going to our friend, Revelation. This passage is from Revelation chapter 2. Jesus is speaking to a group of Christians in the city of Ephesus. And this is what Jesus is saying. I know all the things you do. I know what you did last summer. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles and they are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lamp stand from its place among the churches. Now, has any of you been to Ephesus? Me neither. (laughs) But if you visit there, modern Ephesus, you will see all these massive buildings still standing that date to the first century. You can see the amphitheater. You can tour the gladiator's graveyard. You can see the temple of Artemis which Romans like so carefully built in the province of Artemis. 
the population of that city in the first century was like 250,000 people, which in the first century was a heck of a lot of people. This is the local capital, the most important city in the whole area, in the whole of Western Turkey. Well, one thing you don't see in Ephesus today is an active church. Now, on the surface, it doesn't seem that odd since Ephesus is in Turkey, and Turkey's main religion is Islam. However, Ephesus used to be one of the major centers of early Christianity. Like, by the early second century, Christian writers were like, look at Ephesus, this shining example of Jesus in our time. And it held this position of preeminence. Like, in one of the fifth century, like, massive church councils was held there. And archaeologists, archaeologists, apparently I can't spell or talk. (laughs) Archaeologists were like, this is the building. Like, we think we found the place where this council actually happened. And yet there are no churches in Ephesus or any of the surrounding towns. That would be, like, as unthinkable to the readers of Revelation as it would for us to be like, all of our churches are empty and burned down. All of them. And, like, Notre Dame. And no one's donating to rebuild them. Everyone's like, eh, we don't really need those, do we? But that's precisely what Jesus has warned them about. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand, your place. I will remove it, right? So Jesus looks at the Ephesian church. He's like, okay, you're doing a good job. You've been, you work really hard. You've been patient under persecution. You've been persevering. You've even discovered false teaching, false apostles, these people who are trying to make Jesus into a commodity that can be bought and sold. And you were like, no, sir, out, off of your head. And all that's really good, except it's pretty delicate balance because if you get very, very, very concerned with the truth, capital T, um, it's very easy to forget that the heart of the gospel is love. So the Ephesians fell into that trap and it says, you have abandoned the love you showed at the beginning. Now, this could refer to love for Jesus himself. Sure, that's at least part of it. But it specifically says it's a matter of things you're actually doing. Do the works you did at the beginning. Well, what were the works? Love is something you do in a Christian sense. So you give hospitality. You give practical help to people who are in need, particularly people who are sick or poor or hungry. And this love was like the chief mark of the early church. No other non-ethnic group had ever behaved like that. And they were reflecting God's own self-giving love for them. It's like the best expression of God's love and the best advertisement for faith in God. And they just let it slip away. Now, you may be wondering, what the heck does the Ephesian church have anything to do with perseverance? And my answer is everything. Because I think whenever we are going through something hard, whenever we are going through something that requires endurance or perseverance or us to dip into like the very bottom of our wells of patience and calm and peace, the first two things to leave us our flexibility, and love. It seems pretty like the Ephesian church was like very rigid. They were very like, this is the way. This is the way. And they were very concerned with people following the rules and believing the right things. They were more concerned with that than they were about actually loving people. And it's very easy to be like, yeah, they're so stupid. (laughs) Or to find churches that do that today and be like, yeah, they're so stupid. Um, Except... When things are hard, we almost immediately find ourselves in the same place. And we're like, oh no, everything is being threatened. And instantly we become like rigid and inflexible and our routines get really important. And 
any little deviation, any little thing that's not correct that gives us anxiety. Why? Because when things feel out of control, we unconsciously clamp down on the things we can control. And do you know what's easier to control than humans? Beliefs. When we feel threatened, we hold on to things so tightly. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with us. That means actually our, we're functioning the way we're supposed to. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, like if your child loves traffic, it is very necessary to have a firm like no going near the street rule. If your boss at work is like screaming at everyone all the time and you're just in a terrible environment, it's pretty necessary for you to be like on time and quiet and compliant so that you don't get that directed at you. If your partner is sick and they have to have a certain diet of things to recover, it's very natural to be like, we're going to tightly control everything that comes into this house so that there's no temptations. However, most of the time we just end up with like generalized anxiety about everything. And then that constant underlying pressure just makes us really inflexible about all things. Like we have to have, everything has to be just so. We get very particular. We have no patience for like normal insensitive comments that people make. We have no flexibility. We have no capacity to entertain new information. And the other thing that leaves us when we're going through something hard is love. And I don't mean the feeling of love, although that love sometimes leaves as well. I mean our ability to show love in tangible ways to other people. Because when we're under pressure, we turn inwards. We protect ourselves. And we might still have the ability to do like big acts of love. Like maybe we keep going to work to support our families pay the bills. We may be able to be intimate with our partners once in a while. We may be able to do something that's like part of our routine, like go to the gym, do self-care, something like that. What starts slipping through the cracks is all the little bitty ways that we show love. Like, for example, we might have zero patience left for our child who we gave a bowl of Cheerios to who is now melting down because they got a blue bowl instead of a red bowl. You may want to gouge your eyes out with a spoon rather than listen <laughs> to your toddler talk about dinosaurs for the millionth time. You may instantly get resentful when your friend is complaining to you for the 10th time about something you're like, you could just fix it if you would just listen to me. We have no empathy for our coworker. Our coworker like, oh, I'm so behind. Like, can you help me with this thing? And we're like, how dare you? You can't do your job. Like, why should I have to do your job and my job? No one's paying for it. No one's paying me for this. We get upset about like really tiny things. Like we might react to something our partner says at like a level 10 instead of maybe like the two and a half that's warranted. Or we might get upset at things like the toilet paper not being replaced. Or like the rush hour traffic on 275, even though it's there literally every single day and we drive through it every single day. And I don't know what's different about today, but today we're raging. And, or maybe the coffee that we pre-ordered on the app is not ready when we get to Starbucks on the way to a meeting that we are already late for. DC Talk said, love is a verb. And I wonder, like, have we really stopped to reflect on the ways that we show love lately? Like, do, like, do we look at things like taking out the trash when it isn't our job? Or making coffee, because you're the first one up in the morning. Or bringing home a favorite snack as a way that you show tangible love to your partner. Do we look at things like regulating our own emotions when our children are having meltdowns? Or taking several deep breaths when they spilled something all over the whole floor, <laughs> instead of yelling at them, or listening to your teenager rattle on endlessly about some obscure YouTube program. 
as a way of showing tangible love to them? Do we look at answering the text from our friend who is complaining about the thing that she's been complaining about for months with kindness? Or reaching out to our coworkers, even though you're all busy and just checking on them and saying, hey, how are you? Or maybe just forgiving the insensitive comment your mom made as a way to show tangible love to someone? Do we look, even for ourselves, like do we look at things like moving our body regularly or speaking up about boundaries we need to set, even if it makes you feel like you want to throw up? Or scheduling time in each week to, for you to actually do nothing as a way you are showing tangible love to yourself. Have y'all ever heard of mirror neurons? Mirror neurons, there's like so much research on them in little, ch- little kids. Mirror neurons, a neuron is like a nerve cell. It's like the foundation of your brain and your nervous system. And mirror neurons fire up whenever we see other people doing stuff. So in little kids, you notice that they'll imitate you. Like if I have Nova and I'm like, Nova, say banana. She's like, na, na, na. <laughs> like, really, that's your first word? You don't want to say mama? I've been here for you the whole time. Okay, bananas. Are, bananas are also here for you, I guess. Like, they, they mirror you. Babies also mirror, like, emotional states. So if they are screaming and you are stressed, there is not a chance in hell you are going to get that baby to calm down. Not one. Not a single chance. But if you are calm you will have a much better chance of calming them down because they can feel it off of you. They mirror your state. They feel your energy. But did you know that this is how adults function also? Mirror neurons aren't just responsible for us learning new motor skills, like talking. They are responsible for us learning empathy. So if you come into a room like a tornado, just anxiety and stress and rage, guess what? Everyone's going to feel worse when you leave. And if you come in calm, calmly, peacefully, everyone will be in a little bit of a better place when you leave. Because the energy we bring into a situation almost always gets mirrored by other people. And I'm going to say this, the little ways we show love and the little ways we can be flexible, much more important than the big ways. Not that big ways aren't valuable, but they don't create those mirror neurons right? So they don't create the reactions in our brain, chemistry, that cause us to be in better relationships with each other. So an example, if you're partnered, picture your partner in your mind. If you're not partnered, picture your dream partner. And if you don't want a partner, valid. (laughs) Picture a dear friend that you just love spending time with, someone you could hang out with anytime and have a good time. Would you rather this person take you on one extravagant, no holds barred, all expenses paid, night out per year, or you get to have two meaningful conversations with them every week for a year. I can tell you, as a person with a child, where meaningful conversations are hard to come by in my house, (laughs) I would much rather have conversations because they create connection. Connection that only happens once in a while does not create safety in our bodies. It does not create love in our bodies. It doesn't build trust, not with other people, not with ourselves. The little stuff is more important than the big stuff. So here are some ways, a non-exhaustive list of things you can do 
to tangibly show love to others and yourself. Go to counseling. Hmm. I know it's expensive. Also, hard. <laughs> you don't want to have to deal with your stuff. Yeah, go deal with your stuff, okay? Go deal with your stuff that you've been through in life and you are currently going through so that it doesn't cause you to explode on other people. You have a responsibility to do the work that you need to do on your own self so that we can bring calm and bring peace into situations. If you have kids, spend 10 or 15 minutes of like uninterrupted time with them every day doing whatever they want to do. Like say yes as much as possible. Which means like if they want you to chase them around while you make monkey noises, you can't be like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's stupid. Because <laughs> it is. But also, that is a, give them your undivided attention. No phones. Regulate yourself before you react. Like, if you're about to lose it on your family or your partner or your job or your friend, you can do this. I have a whole slide. It's a five things calm down method. You can screenshot it. Before you go, <laughs> before it just comes out, okay, stop and just look around you. Name five things you can see in your head. And then name four things you can feel, like your shirt or your shoes or the ground. And then name three things you can hear and two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. And by the time you're done with that, you will be much calmer. Make an effort to do little things for people in ways they will receive. So like if you love to clean, um, and you're like, yes, I've been showing love to my partner because I've been cleaning the whole house, and really what they want you to do is write them like a stupid little note being like, love you. Do that. I mean, you can clean too also, but <laughs> you can come to my house and clean. <laughs> Don't expect your partner to feel loved by you doing something when they receive it in a completely different way. You have to communicate with people in the way they want to be communicated with, just like you want people to communicate to you in that way. And just like remember that the mundane is the stuff of life. Like we're always looking for like the next high thing, the next like party, the next event, the next movie, the next day where we feel wonderful and amazing and the world is, we're on top of the world. But guess what? The trash, taking the trash out and like getting a shower and like doing the dishes and cooking dinner and like that's the, that's the stuff of your life. I'm sorry. Going to a concert is not your life. It's a thing you do. But your life is what happens every single day. You don't need to escape it. You need to be present for it. Practice being flexible. Even when you don't want to be, like maybe especially when you don't want to be, like, why not try a new restaurant? Why not let your kids sleep in a box in their room? That's what they want. Why not see what it feels like to not correct someone when you think they're wrong? Mm. Y'all can come back up. There are so many ways to show love. Go practice them. We don't get good at something unless we practice. We can't just get into a situation and be like, oh, you're making me really frustrated and therefore I have all the tools that I need to be able to cope with this healthily and effectively and no one is going to be mad at me at the end of this interaction. We don't get there unless we practice. There are so many ways to be flexible instead of rigid. Go practice them. There are so many ways to put your own life mask on before you try to help someone else. 
go practice. Even when you're tired. Maybe especially when you're tired. When you're burned out. When you don't want to keep going. You have to show up for yourself. You have to practice what it means to love yourself. There's that verse in the Bible that's like, love your neighbor as yourself. What if you don't love yourself? How are you supposed to love your neighbor or anyone else? Say no more often. Say yes more often. Get help. Be honest. Like, don't add faking it to the list of things that's weighing you down. Maybe, like the Ephesians, we should repent. And I know that word has, like, probably a troubled history for some of you. Um, But what if we repented of these things? Of caring for ourselves so little that we have made ourselves the last priority on our list. What if we repent of becoming trapped in so much resentment that we have not been honest about where we need more support? Or of our inflexibility and our rigidity in the face of God gently pushing us towards new paths? What if we repent of the fear and the shame that we're trapped in? About the faith that we find ourselves in? About all the things we feel like we should be doing? About all the stuff we feel like we should have accomplished by now? About the connection we're supposed to have with God? About the place we're supposed to be in our life? About all the things we have to say before we can talk to God at the beginning of our prayer? When God's just standing there, with open arms saying come back remember remember love do you remember what it feels like to not be anxious do you remember what it feels like to not need everything to be controlled so tightly because love love is patient it's kind it's not jealous brag. It's not rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. That's a hard one for me. It doesn't keep a list of wrongs people have done. It doesn't get excited when bad stuff happens to other people. Love is thrilled when we speak the truth. just too much. So I just invite you to kind of soak it in 
soak in the words that Guiana's gonna sing and say. And maybe whatever you're holding like this, 